day here on this cool Thursday. It's October 14th. Tyler Cavalli along with you. Thanks for choosing the World Voice in Nebraska to be a part of your day. Hopefully you're staying warm. We'll get more on the weather updates situation in about 15 minutes with Paul Perkins as he'll have a regional ag weather update. Jason is down at State Softball. In fact, that is just underway. We'll get a report there and uh, get a preview of what's coming up on sports today. And Bob Rogan will tell us how stocks are performing as well. But let's head out to our Lincoln campus as Bryce Duskid is joining us. Bryce, how are you doing this morning? Yeah, good morning to you, Tyler. Doing good. Good. Not a bad day in Lincoln. Good. Uh, I'm going to hijack this real quick uh, uh, because I think it's a very important topic that we discussed. I was bringing it up about 15 minutes ago. Uh, does are, are you a big uh, cinnamon roll and chili uh, guy? How can you be born and raised in Nebraska and not be? No, you don't fit that category, <laughs> well, but I am. Okay. Does it make sense to you? Not at all. No. Okay. All right. That's all I'm getting at. I, I'm oh. not complaining about the pairing. I'm just saying it's ludicrous to me that we pair a breakfast food with a a lunch or evening meal. And uh, I don't do the whole smothering the cinnamon roll. You've heard of people doing that. They put the cinnamon roll in yeah, the bowl yeah. and they top it with chili. Yeah, I, that that's that's it takes it a step too far. It's egregious. It's outlandish. I don't know how people are doing that or why, but. All right. Well, okay. That's all I was getting at. I just don't understand it, but each to their own. Try cornbread, by the way. You won't be disappointed. Yeah, that's not bad either. Yeah. All right. Well, what do you have coming up for us in midday? Well, you know where it all starts. This all starts in the in the not the classroom, but the cafeteria at school. True that. And coming coming up at twelve nineteen, kind of on that topic, we get a report from Susan on the Midwest Dairy Association how they're getting kids excited about dairy. So not uh, chili cinnamon rolls, but dairy. That's close, right? <laughs> close enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then at 1245, we'll uh, check in with Alex. She's got a report with us from the Southern Valley FFA chapter talking about all their fall activities, so that'll be interesting. And then rounding out 117, I'll be chatting with the University of Nebraska President Ted Carter. He'll join us to discuss some of the proposals for COVID-19 relief funds that could have a big impact on the Nebraska agriculture and healthcare industries. Okay, good stuff. Uh, go enjoy your chili and cinnamon rolls on a day like today. I'll find this is the perfect day for it, by the way, and I'll, I'll do one better. I'll bring you some soon. Can't wait. Just can't wait. Thank you very much. <laughs> that is Bryce Duskett from Lincoln. How about Jason Jorgensen at Sports? Hey, thanks, Tyler. Very, very busy day for high school sports, not only across the region, but also across the state. Boy State Tennis Tournament opening up today. Class A in Omaha. Class B is going on in Lincoln. Also, state softball continues on in Hastings. At about this time, Kozad will be in action in an elimination game against UTAN Mead. You can hear that one over on Cami Country. And tonight... The third place and championship match of the FKC tournament comes to a conclusion at Carney Catholic High School. A couple of great matches. Third place matchup has Amherst against Pleasanton. And in the title match tonight, it's Overton taking on SCM. The Mustangs, a great story. This is the first time they have been in this match in some time. You can hear those matches tonight over on Cami Country. All right. Thank you very much. Let's turn things over to Bob Brogan. You are a fan of uh, chili and cinnamon rolls. I... Yes. Shares in chili and cinnamon rolls are up today, by the way. I just thought I'd pass that along. So I'm sure they shares are. Shares in chili and cornbread are down. Yeah. And uh, that's all I really need to say. But uh, stocks rising broadly today as the market continues building some momentum, uh, breaking a three-day losing streak. So that's the way things are. All right. Thank you, Paul. 
I'm Paul Perkins with the check of your ag weather after a day of temperatures that are 10 degrees cooler than average with increasing clouds from a disturbance. Sprinkles are possible along with some isolated rain for tonight. Patchy frost again possible tonight, but mainly in western areas where there will be a little bit more clearing. Northwest winds expected to be breezy tomorrow and gust up to 30 with strong high pressure building in from the west. Despite more sunshine tomorrow, our temperatures tomorrow slightly cooler than today. With diminishing winds, clear skies tomorrow night, widespread frost and possibly sub-freezing temperatures expected by Saturday morning. A ridge of high pressure warms our temperatures to seasonal levels for Saturday, then up to around 70 for Sunday into Tuesday. Wednesday will be cooler than normal behind a cold front. There could be some light rain with that front Tuesday into Wednesday. In the long-term forecast, overall temperatures in Nebraska and Kansas will be warmer than normal Tuesday through October 27th, especially 8 to 14 days from now. Mostly below normal rainfall is indicated Tuesday through the 27th for Nebraska in Kansas. Checking the latest regional drought monitor, Nebraska dropped three percentage points to 19% drought free. No dryness concerns are found from Dawson and southwest Buffalo County down to Cambridge and Red Cloud, from Kippahaw County down to Stapleton and in many areas of eastern Nebraska. Most of the state is abnormally dry to a moderate drought. Severe to some extreme drought is found from Hayes Center to the southwest corner in nearly all of the Panhandle and to the north of O'Neill. Kansas improved seven percentage points to 61% drought-free. There are several locations that are abnormally dry in western and northern Kansas, along with spots right along the Oklahoma border. Severe drought is found in northwest Kansas from the northwest corner of Thomas County to nearby areas of Cheyenne and Rollins County. Key weather factors in the markets include scattered rain from Texas to the eastern Midwest, along with mixed rain amounts in South America. In the southeast Midwest, more moderate rain is possible. Recent widespread moderate rain in the Midwest has caused some delays for corn and soybean harvest. The heavier rains of the southeast plains push to the east tomorrow. Southern plains rainfall has been fairly good for winter wheat, with the exception of areas of flooding from central Texas to southern Missouri. Central and southern Brazil scattered rain through early next week will continue to be good for full season corn and soybean planting and establishment. Drier weather in Brazil would help with the maturing and harvest of winter wheat that should start next week. Towards Argentina, there remain some rather dry areas that need more moisture for corn and soybean planting. Winter wheat areas of Argentina are starting to dry up also. Scattered rain is possible through tomorrow. Argentina, though, will stay fairly dry until the next best chance for rain at the end of next week. With the check of your ag weather, I'm Paul Perkins. Midwest Dairy and Dairy Farmers finding new ways to reach out to youth and talk dairy. Hi, I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Well, milk is a part of the school meal program, but not always a first choice for children at the lunch table. So Midwest Area is actually looking for ways to weave dairy into other parts of the meal. Julie Matson ostro Midwest Dairy's Vice President of Dairy Experiences and Wellness, says Midwest Area has created ways to allow children other options when it comes to the nutrition's from dairy products. So we've had some really good success in helping support various programs. One of them is a breakfast program. Having something at mid-morning really helps to fuel their brain. We also work with schools to provide some support, especially in this last year with the pandemic and having to serve in alternative methods, some that were remote. One of the really exciting dairy food schools are really turning towards our smoothies made with milk and made with yogurt 
There's also one super simple, kids love it in school, that we're promoting. It's called hot chocolate milk. This is simply chocolate milk that you have in a carton that is warmed up. And it's amazing. It's delicious. And how simple could that be? She says the work helps to build trust between students and dairy and actually focuses on them choosing dairy outside of the school building as well. They're 100% of our future consumers. So the things that we can do to show them how delicious dairy is and and in various ways um, will carry over into that next part of their life. So we're working to show them not only is it taste good and it's good for you, but it's also good for the planet. Kids want to know that. They want to know where their food's coming from and that the people who produced it took care to do that and did so responsibly. And dairy farmers have an awesome story to share. But unfortunately, the pandemic shows that more and more children are food insecure. Which means they don't know where their next meal is coming from. If you think about it, schools are probably almost the largest restaurant in the entire community. They're a large feeder of people. And too many students have become food insecure. Families don't have enough money, enough resources to feed everybody and feed them in a nutritious way. The school meal program does that. And so this year, again, USDA granted a waiver. So all meals, every single student in that school can eat at no charge. And working with large school districts in the Midwest states, they can test and prove out the program and actually provide some toolkits for all school districts. One example that comes from Wichita, Kansas School District. They've not only implemented what's called a second chance breakfast. So again, students who come to school and maybe didn't get enough to eat or if they were like my kids, you could barely get them onto the bus, forget about getting any food into them. But they have a second chance to have breakfast at school. And we also added a smoothie program, which is been phenomenal in 13 of their middle and high schools last year. That resulted in over 200,000 added pounds of milk above what they were usually serving. Matson Ostros adds it's important to incorporate milk and dairy products into schools' food service opportunities for students and adults to enjoy because of the nutritional value. Milk is a powerhouse and dairy products provide lots of great nutrition. We now know that milk actually has 13 essential nutrients. And everybody usually thinks of calcium, but we also look at protein and lots of other minerals and vitamins that are really important for health. More information can be found at MidwestDairy.com. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. It is time for Midday Sports. Here's Jason. Hey, thanks. Well, the ninth-ranked Nebraska volleyball team had an easy one last night, taking care of Indiana as the Huskers rolled over the Hoosiers in three. Nebraska's now won seven straight to improve to 13-3. and They continue to lead the Big Ten at 7-0. Maddie Kubik continued her streak of seven consecutive matches, leading the Huskers in kills, finishing with a match-high 16 put-aways. Nebraska is back in action this weekend when they take on Illinois. FKC Volleyball Tournament wraps up tonight. Amherst versus Pleasanton on the third. 
third place match at six. Overton against SCM will follow. Those matches can be heard on Kimmy Country and KRVN.com. High school football action tonight. Arapaho looks to wrap up an undefeated regular season as they host Southern Valley. Kickoff is set for seven. We'll bring you the game here on 880 KRVN. The Boys State Tennis Tournament is getting underway today in Omaha and Lincoln, and state softball continues on in Hastings. UNK football team is on the road this weekend at the UNK football team is on the road this weekend as a five and one Lopers travel to three and three Emporia State. Now the Lopers will face off against one of the top quarterbacks in the league in Brandon Gleason. And head coach Josh Lynn says he and that Emporia State offense are a threat. And I think maybe the X factor that they have is their quarterback play. It's a new quarterback from uh that then we saw at nineteen and he's doing a nice job of uh getting the ball and and, and throwing the ball. And not, not only that, he's a pretty good athlete to where if things break down, he can go make things happen with his feet. Gleason has already thrown for more than 1,700 yards and 17 touchdowns. Kickoff on Saturday is set for one. We will bring you the game on 93.1 The River and 106.9 in Kearney. And not only have the Kansas City Chiefs been losing, but they're also beat up. They practiced yesterday without five key starters, including wide receiver Tariq Hill and pass rusher Chris Jones. That is a look at sports. For more, find it anytime at krvn.com. I'm Jason Jorgensen. It is time for Midday News. News Director Dave Schroeder is joining us. And Well, Dave, it was a busy day yesterday uh, in the newsroom. Yes, well, among things, the Kearney Police Department says that just before 2 p.m. yesterday, officers responded to a report of a vehicle that had gone into the lake at Cotton Mill Park on the western edge of Kearney and then became submerged with two occupants. The driver, 90-year-old Donald Cornier, died as a result. His wife was able to exit the car and was rescued by a bystander. Various proposals for a state consumption and tax have been around for years, but they haven't gotten much traction. Still, the idea is attractive to some, even though it would require a constitutional amendment to make it a reality. The proposal would make income, corporate, property, inheritance, estate, and sales taxes unconstitutional in Nebraska and require the legislature to enact a consumption tax on all new goods except fuel. Craig Beck, senior fiscal analyst for the nonprofit Open Sky Policy Institute, is concerned about the plan because of the unknowns that would go with it, including the proposed tax rate. The Legislative Fiscal Office has estimated that once the proposal is up and running, it will reduce state revenue Uh, by about $4 billion annually. So in order for the plan to be revenue neutral, we believe that the advertised rate, which is roughly around 10.5%, would need to be significantly higher, something probably closer to 15%. You know, we're also concerned in the plan that every local government in the state would have to go to the legislature every year in order to fund their budgets. It would dramatically undermine local control, something that Nebraskans hold dear. Senator Steve Urban of Baird has proposed the EPIC Consumption Tax Act. It would enact a statewide consumption tax on all new goods and services at the rate of 10.64%. The measure received support from about a dozen lawmakers at a legislative hearing in February. It is opposed by Open Sky and the Nebraska Association of County Officials. 
Miss Nebraska Morgan Holland's family has had some connection to the Miss Nebraska pageants in the past. Her mother, Jody Miller Holland, is a 1988 Miss Nebraska. She volunteered with the Nebraska pageant for a number of years after that and brought along Morgan and her sister for the week in North Platte, which Morgan describes as their favorite summer vacation while growing up. And we really looked up to those women. They were articulate, intelligent, talented, and they were making a difference in their community and we wanted to be just like them. So, of course, right when I was able to compete, I I wanted to do so and I wanted to do the job well. So, I waited until actually I was done with college first and then competed for the first time this past year and now I get to do that job and hopefully make even half the impact those women made on me. Holland will compete for the Miss America pageant in December. Her talent is dance and her social impact initiative is called Strengths-Based Mentoring, which involves recruiting mentors for youth so that they have someone who is consistent adult in their life and who believes in them. On the Rural Radio Network, I'm Dave Schroeder. We're getting an update today with the Southern Valley FFA chapter. We've got a handful of students here to tell us a little bit more about what they're doing this fall. But first, we're going to start out our conversation with Sam Russell. Sam is a sophomore member in the Southern Valley FFA chapter. And Sam, you recently received a grant for your supervised agricultural experience. So first of all, tell us a little bit more about your SAE. What do you do? My SAE is a small one and a half acre to two acre pumpkin patch that is located on my family farm. My pumpkin patch is called Pumpkin Corners Pumpkin Patch. That is a self-take pumpkin patch, but I am hoping to expand it to have a small game in the upcoming years. Okay, wonderful. Tell me about where this idea for a pumpkin patch came from. This idea came from my grandma because she ran the pumpkin patch previously for 40 years, and I took it over this year. Okay, so Sam, you recently received a grant from the Nebraska FFA Foundation for the Pumpkin Corners Pumpkin Patch, your supervised agricultural experience. Tell me a little bit more about this grant and what you are able to use it for. I've already used some of the grant on seeds, fertilizer, and a trailer. All right, very exciting. Sam, thank you so much. That again was Sam Russell. He is a grant recipient from the Nebraska FFA Foundation for his supervised agricultural experience, which is the Pumpkin Corners Pumpkin Patch. We're now going to transition to the Southern Valley FFA officer team. We're starting our conversation with Bryson Warner, who serves as president. Bryson, you guys are doing something a little bit new in your chapter. Tell me more about this. Um, so here at Southern Valley, we currently have two cows that we calve out each winter. And with this project, we plan on building working facilities to teach low-stress cattle handling and management to our underclassmen. And we plan to expand into feeder camps next. Okay, and tell me, Bryson, why that was something your chapter wanted to start. Well, we have a lot of the locals are cattle, cow-calf operations, and... Um, we figured we would teach the low-stress cattle handling to the next generation. All right, thanks, Bryson. We will now turn our attention to Ashlyn McAtee, who is the vice president of the Southern Valley FFA chapter. Ashlyn, I understand you guys are getting ready to represent Nebraska and the Southern Valley FFA chapter at National Convention, which is coming up. Tell me more. We are going to be taking 12 people to the convention in Indianapolis. We are really excited. And we will be watching Aubrey Warner, a former 
member get her American degree there. So that will be fun. Very cool. Have you ever been to National FFA, Ashland? I have never been, but there are many people we are taking who have been, so it will be good for them to see it again. Absolutely. What are you most excited for for your first year? I'm excited to have the experience for my senior year and see how it works and see all the FFA members in one spot because there will be a lot of them. You are not wrong about that. There are a lot of FFAers there at National Convention. Very cool. Okay, thanks, Ashlyn. Now we are turning our attention to Brianna Russell. She is the Southern Valley FFA Secretary, talking to us a little bit more about your guys' greenhouse. Tell us more. We have a greenhouse that our chapter built behind our school a couple years ago. And in it, we allow our plant science class to grow and care for plants that we eventually sell in an annual plant sale to our community members. In our greenhouse, we have hydroponic systems that we're hoping to set up so that we can allow our students to learn other means of plant production. And in the wintertime, we also use our greenhouse to allow teachers to store plants um, that they can use for their lab activities. The greenhouse is a super great investment for our chapter, and we're really grateful for the learning opportunities and fundraising opportunities that it allows for us. Absolutely. Brianna, you kind of touched on the educational benefits of this greenhouse, but the very latter end of that statement, you also said it's a fundraising opportunity. Tell me more about how you use the funds from those greenhouse plants. Well, we use the profits to reinvest into the greenhouse, and we can also use it if we decide to do any uh, chapter bonding activities for our FFA chapter. All right. Good information. Thanks so much, Brianna. Now turning our attention to Sage Tetman. She serves as the Southern Valley FFA treasurer. Sage, tell me a little bit more about this alfalfa plot you guys have going on. Um, One of the things that we have is our 10-acre alfalfa field. It is a sub-irrigated right east of the school that we are planning on changing to a corn test plot. And we're going to have local producers help us with this plot. Okay, so in that area, a lot of times when you think of test plots, you think of corn fields or maybe soybean fields. Have you guys had a corn plot before? This will be the first time that we're going to have a corn plot there. Okay, very cool. Sage, thanks so much. We will now be joined by Brenna Balderson. She is the Southern Valley FFA Sentinel. And Brenna, something your chapter does is a thing called pods. Tell us more about this. Um, One of the things we do is pods. Pods, we divide all the FFA members into three groups. And we each competition or activity we do and participate in, we get points. One of the groups at the end of the year with that win with the most points gets a trip to their liking. And then this helps the officers to get to know the individual kids and help them encourage students to work and participate in FFA events and give students a sense of family. Okay, thanks so much, Brenna. And moving to our final Southern Valley FFA officer here on the phone with us today is Trevor Brown serving as parliamentarian. Trevor, we're about halfway or so through the fall semester and competitions are starting to heat up in the FFA chapters across the state. Give us an update on where Southern Valley is on this. Our competition season isn't in full swing yet, but it has started. So far, we've done range judging and land judging. And this winter, our career development events, which is more the job skills side of it, and our leadership development events, which is more the speaking side, will take place. And these contests will take place in Curtis at NCTA. Perfect. Trevor, what do you compete in? Uh, life like judging is my favorite, but I competed in a lot of things like natural resources, and I've done rain judging and land judging in the past. 
All right. All sorts of updates from the Southern Valley FFA chapter. Thank you so much. Again, we've been visiting with Sam Russell, who was the grant recipient, Bryson Warner, Ashlyn McAtee, Brianna Russell, Sage Tetman, Brenna Balderson, and Trevor Brown. That'll do it from the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Stocks are rising broadly on Wall Street as the market builds momentum a day after breaking a three-day losing streak. With the Business Report, I'm Bob Brogan. The S&P 500 added 1.3%, putting the benchmark index into the green for the week. The Dow Jones Industrial Average rose 1.2%, while the tech-heavy Nasdaq rose 1.5%. Healthcare stocks were putting up some of the best gains, led by a 5.6% jump in United Health Group. The leading health insurer reported earnings that easily beat analyst forecasts. Crude oil prices were modestly higher and the yield on the 10-year Treasury fell slightly to 1.53%. Unemployment claims fell last week to a pandemic low. AP Washington correspondent Sagar Magani reports. Some 293,000 Americans filed for jobless benefits, the second straight weekly drop and the lowest total since March 2020. It's a sign the job market is still getting better, even though hiring has slowed the last two months because jobless aid applications generally track the pace of layoffs. They fall instead since last spring, with businesses who were struggling to fill jobs holding on to their workers. Sagar Magani, Washington. Inflation at the wholesale level rose 8.6% in September compared to a year ago. The largest advance since the 12-month change was first calculated in 2010. The Labor Department says the increase in its producer price index, which measures inflationary pressures before they reach consumers, was five-tenths of a percent for September compared to a seven-tenths percent gain in August. U.S. health advisors are debating whether millions of Americans who receive Moderna vaccination should get a booster shot, this time using half the original dose. Already, certain high-risk groups who got their initial Pfizer vaccinations at least six months ago are rolling up their sleeves. Investment. I'm Bryce Dusker reporting inside the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, and today we're chatting with Ted Carter. He's the president of the University of Nebraska System. And President Carter, you recently unveiled the university's proposal for the latest round of federal COVID-19 relief money. You're putting some big ideas on the table, such as a new rural health complex at UNK and an ag research facility at UNL to be built next to the major USDA facility at Nebraska Innovation Campus. Let's talk more about these proposals and what criteria you used to narrow down your list of ideas. Well, Bryce, uh, first of all, we're really excited and proud uh, at the University of Nebraska system to have the opportunity to provide some input to the legislature on this once-in-a-lifetime money. This, this, is, this is the kind of money that's coming from the federal government to the state of Nebraska that we will probably never see in, in many people's lifetimes. So we work collaboratively, and that's probably the operative word in all the work that we've done here, collaboratively with our chancellors to include coordinating with our Board of Regents who brought a resolution forward at our last Board of Regents meeting to support all of our big ideas. The, the basic uh, filter that we put on this was to do things that were considered to be one-time money, uh, to do the things that only the University of Nebraska can do, and finally, maybe the most importantly is do things that will benefit the people of Nebraska, not just in the short term, but 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now. And that's why big ideas 
such as you know trying to improve uh, the rural health care of Nebraskans, which is a, a dire need right now, is so important. How to look forward to the most advanced research to help, help our agricultural community, especially in the technology field that we know we're going to need. And then to look at some other uh, critical research like pancreatic cancer, uh, you know, um, a host of things, some of which we're already very, very good at, some of which we want to be able to expand upon that will have long-term impact. Okay, so let's talk a little bit more about a couple of these ideas. Uh, clearly, agriculture plays a big role in your proposals. How could Nebraska agriculture benefit from this one-time funding opportunity? So as we're looking at, you know, deeper into the future, there's no doubt that agriculture will still, you know, continue to be the most important economic benefit to our state. Um, USDA is going to invest in some of our uh, research capabilities through our flagship at University of Nebraska-Lincoln over the course of the next couple of years. Our proposal was to create a sister research capability to that USDA uh, input to this, uh, uh, you know, this idea that we will be the, you know, the top research capability university in the entire country for uh, the future of food, for security of water, for the security of food, and for how we're going to be able to do more with less. You mentioned the proposed UNMC West in Kearney. Talk about that project and how you see that contributing to the overall growth and success of Greater Nebraska. Well, we're so fortunate. We have a world-class medical capability uh, and uh, university with our UNMC partners in Omaha. Uh, the challenge in rural Nebraska is, uh, you know, out of uh, 93 counties uh, in the state of Nebraska, only Lincoln-Lancaster and uh uh, Douglas County are the ones that actually have about the right amount of medical professionals. The rest of them have medical shortages. And the way to get people into the rural part of Nebraska is to have them go to school closer to a rural area as well as get their internships there. So this is an idea to extend what is already working very well in Omaha at our University of Nebraska Medical Center and now extend that to another capability uh, at what I would call UNMC West in Kearney. All right, appreciate the update from the University of Nebraska system. President Ted Carter joining us. I'm Bryce Tuski reporting inside the Nebraska Soybean Board Studio, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. It's your big stuff. Play Patton on the World Radio Network as we talk now with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago, publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. John, it's a good Thursday. We're kind of across the green, across the board. No one real sector leading us. It's kind of equitable, uh, decent gains really across everything. Is that a good thing to see or is this a little concerning? Maybe just money trying to push things up so it can take profit on Friday going into the weekend. Well, I got a big report tomorrow, the C- uh, retail sales and CPI. Uh, for the U.S., um, you know, or PPI rather. So specifically, last night's news is pretty bullish. China have it printing 10% uh, PPI, which is the producers are paying 10% more basically year over year than what they were a year ago. So U.S. farmers are starting to see that. Our PPI numbers were, uh, were I guess, supported for, for, for rate hikes. I think that's something that's going to happen here in the next year, year and a half. So um, in the meantime, I think the market will continue to trade like we've seen it where, you know, when the market has significant supply, we back off here to two hundred, two hundred twenty dollars a metric ton in corn, uh, which is essentially five dollars. And then uh, when things are tight, you know, we rally up to that two seventy to two eighty level, which is where we were last summer, maybe even north of three hundred, and that's where you see that kind of seven fifty print. So, I, I I'd be holding on to every bushel you can. I think the at this point in time, you know, even with a taper, you're still looking at, you know, trillion and a half dollars being dumped into the U.S. economy between now and when the taper would end. So. 
uh, I, I'd rather hold grain than than dollars at this point. Outside of uh, um, you know some some operating capital, you need something to protect you against higher inflation, and that that really is the crop, and that's that's coming from the book of of the South American producers for the last few years, specifically Argentina, uh, where those guys don't barter in dollars or pesos; they barter in grain. So that's I think it's an interesting dynamic that's going to develop here over the next couple of months. It's interesting you bring that exact subject up, the fact that holding the physical commodity, things that are in tight supply, the physical actual commodity itself in tight supply. Talking with your customers and your producers across the country, is anybody in that mindset yet? Are they still wanting to have that cash and try to move it into other assets? Well, it's like, yeah, buy land specifically. I think that's the one common behavior I'm seeing. Um, You know, equipment's going to be tough to get, I think, as we get forward. And in fact, I'm, I'm kind of friendly with past executives at John Deere and uh, you know they think it's this is a little overblown when it comes to uh, when it comes to the drama around the the strike but you know as long as as long as they keep their they need to keep their parts and services manufacturing open if they lose that then then there's tightness on the old supply but I think you're going to find new supply really really difficult to get uh, in the coming six to eight months. That's John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniel Agmiger, rather Stonex. You can learn more at stonex.com. Do remember, though, trading future and options involve risk of loss may not be suitable for all investors. Consider these risks before investing.